Hello, everybody, and those of you online, God bless each and every one of you, wherever you are. And we tend to think that you're in the city somewhere, but we also know that there are people watching literally from other countries, from other states, um, who knows, maybe even where you're from, maybe some of your family members you've told, watch the service online. They don't, their church is not open, so that's a good idea, all right? Why don't you maybe text them right now and uh, get them in the habit of doing that. We announced, boy, worship was so good. I almost felt like we were about to have a tent revival, but uh, it was uh, praise God for a good worship, whether it's Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Saturday night. Pastor John, the whole team do a phenomenal job. We announced in the last week or so that we're going to talk about finances. So tonight, I'm going to start out here on the floor. And for those of you that have already maybe seen this or seen me do this in the past or share this sometime in the past, you just hold steady, all right? Um, but for those of you that haven't, talking about finances, here in my hand is a penny. It's one of the few left in Orlando, all right? Um, I don't know what's going on with the shortage, but um, anyway, uh, we're stashing away some coins. We've got them in our car, in the door handle, and uh, wherever else strung around there, but in the glove compartment or wherever. But anyway, let me ask you a question. Talking about money and the Bible says so much about money, and Jesus taught uh, literally some think as much about money as he did a prayer. So uh, I've got this penny in my hand, um, and I would say, okay, you look like you could use a, a $25,000, so we're going somewhere here in a minute. If I give you, or you, or you, any of you, a penny, and I say, listen, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to give you a penny today, and tomorrow I'm going to give you two pennies. And the next day I'm going to double it, and I'm going to give you four pennies. And the next day I'm going to give you eight pennies, and then 16, and then whatever. All right, so anyway, and you, you get the picture here. Every day we're going to double this penny. So I will say to you, will you take that amount of money doubled every day, the penny, for 30 days, or will you take $25,000 that we'll give? So, how many of you will take the $25,000? All right, you know something's up, don't you? Some of you sense something's up. I don't trust this guy. All right, so anyway, how many again? $25,000, you're going to take it and run with it. All right, door number one. All right, door number two. Double. On the 30th day, how many of you will take the penny? Double. All right, you already know, don't you? You're smart, smart people because you're going to have over $10 million, aren't you? All right, so um, 25,000. The power or the miracle of compounding and uh, one penny growing, doubling. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about retirement. We're going to talk about wills. We're going to talk about saving money. How many of you like to save money? All right. Now, let me ask this. How many of you like to spend money? In Jesus' name, we pray God deliver. 
All right, so uh, everybody has to spend money, but when you fall in, into that thing of, I love to spend money, you are in the right place. All right, so um, I want to challenge you tonight because just like the, the power of money, uh, some of you, if I were to say to you, you need to be saving, you need to be tithing, tithe is 10%, but you need to be saving. You also need to be giving something toward retirement. You'd be like, yeah, right. Well, let me just put it to you this way. Um, don't, the, the picture is the same. The details may be a, a little skewed, but uh, a boy, and I was told this years ago, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing because I was about 24 years old. I'd never heard anything like this. A uh, Pat Robertson got up at a meeting that I was at, and he said, if a young man takes and gives $2,000, and I think he used 8 or 10% interest return, gave $2,000 for an investment in his retirement for, uh, from 22 to, let's say, 28, all right? And um, so, 22 to 28, $2,000 a year. How much money is that? Pastor Ben, they need it. All right, so how much money? 22 to 28? No. <laughs> 2,000 a year, okay. Forget the interest, all right? Forget the interest. There's the problem, all right? You, you're trying to calculate the interest. 22 to 28 is how much? 12? Okay, 12 sounds good. All right, so he quits giving the money. At, when he's 28 years old, he stops. So he's got that much money, 2000 a year in there, plus the interest, which is not all that much at that time. And he stops giving. His brother starts giving $2,000 a year, same interest rate, till he's 65 years old. Which one is going to have the most money? How many of you think the first one? You would be right. I didn't see very many hands going up on that one, though. But anyway, the first one is going to have more money than the second brother who started at 28 years of age, giving 22 or $2,000 a year until the age of 65. All right, some of you are probably going to spend the rest of the time on your calculator uh, and trying to figure that one out. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, O oh Lord God, that eyes would be open, God, that hearts would be willing, Lord, to change. I pray, O oh Lord God, that every one of us in this room, Lord, would have the heart of God, the heart to give, Lord, the heart to save, the heart to excel in life, understanding it's by your grace, it's by your mercy and your favor. I pray, O oh Lord God, that you would help us all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, tonight, I'm going to go over a few notes, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Ben to join me. Then we've got a couple of special guests that are going to join us for a few minutes and uh, answer some questions that uh, uh, we'll introduce them a little bit later. But let me ask, how many of you are somewhat frugal? Anybody here? Somewhat Frugal. How many of you? Not so much. All right. Okay. We got that crowd in here, which is fine. 
okay? Uh, it's fine, but all of us need to find where we're comfortable, where we're at. Um, I'm pretty conservative, fugal, uh, not cheap, but frugal, all right? So Pastor Ben, I would perceive he's the same way. I would perceive our two guests that are going to be sharing uh, the same way. So I would venture to say, if you're going to really walk in peace, you're, you're really going to be on the side of uh, not being an extravagant expender. You can learn to be an extravagant giver, but when you fall into the trap of extravagant spender, that may create some problems. And uh, I... I don't know why I'm that way, probably because it was so, we were so poor, and then I heard years ago that uh, since I'm Scottish, or that background, that Scottish people are by nature uh, somewhat fiscally conservative, so I'm like, my goodness, I, I had never heard that my whole life until it was actually about three years ago. So today we're going to talk about how you can find the place in your own life to be a giver, a saver, uh, put it in your mindset. If it's something you've never entertained, you're never going to do it. All right. I don't want you, I don't want any of you in this building. God thinks too much of you. He loves you. I know the rapture may happen before any of us reach retirement, okay? But just in case, uh, right now, there are thousands of people in America that uh, were expecting to go up in the rapture. They didn't lay anything aside. A lot of preachers of years ago did that. And uh, I've heard that they are barely scraping by. So uh, you and I, um, Brother Choco has told me that about this. And I said, we're going to get on board. Our church is going to help those ministers. But I want you to have enough now. I want you to have enough next year. And when you get to be retirement age, if the Lord is tarried, uh, I want you to have enough then. Say amen. amen. All right. I want you to have enough to be able to meet your own needs by the help of God and then to be able to give away. Uh, I'm much more uh, lenient now or much more moderate now than I was years ago as pastor here. Um, I can still remember, Pastor Jason, when uh, we were at Goldenrod Road and we had moved into the new building over there and uh, we were eventually thinking about, you know, building another place or expanding over there. And I mean, I watched, by the grace of God, we watched every expenditure and uh, we didn't spend unnecessarily. And... Uh, and the day came when everybody thought maybe the church should provide them coffee. So that was a little bit of a hurdle for me to get over, all right? But anyway, I acquiesced, and so we started providing coffee for all the employees. Uh, one pastor came to me one day, and he said, uh, look, he said, I don't, I don't drink coffee. Uh, what, if the, what if the church provides uh, hot chocolate? I like hot chocolate. I looked at him, and I'm like, we're not going to pay for your hot chocolate. That costs a lot more money. You can buy your own and bring it, but I won't guarantee you that some of the others won't swipe it from you. So uh, anyway, that was how conservative I was. But I learned to be a giver from a young 
age in the Lord, a giver. And when you are a giver, if you're conservative, you still have the favor of God on you. And the favor of God is what I want to be on every one of you. So you'll get good deals. Um, when I first became pastor, there was a period of time, the first two or three months, I thought I need to get a nice vehicle. I need to wear expensive suits. And then finally, I'm like fully on that. I'm going to be who I am going to be. I'm going to, I'm not going to buy super expensive suits. And KNG, I still go there. And uh, it's a good place to go, all right? Reasonable, reasonable price, especially when they're two for one, all right, deals. But I walked in the favor of God, and God provides. I mean, one time, right after I graduated Bible college, I was getting on an airplane. I think we're in Tampa. And in the line was one of my college professors. And they had, for some reason or another, I went up to the ticket counter, and they said, would you like to fly first class? I'm like, sure, thank you so very much. I get in line with the professor. We get up there in the line onto the plane, and they said to me, sir, you can go this way, and uh, said to my professor, you can go to the back. Um, and I'm sure to this day, he has been puzzled as to how in the world I pulled that off. The last time Alice and I flew somewhere, we were sitting in the back in cramped quarters, and I said to her, I said, Alice, can you imagine Benny Hinn sitting back here, uh, cramped like this? There's no way under God's good earth, but being frugal can be a beneficial thing if you can feel comfortable in that environment. All right, so we're, uh, let me give you a scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great, what? Godliness with contentment is great, great gain. All right, let me quickly give you some things because I want to get to the questions, all right? How to gain financial freedom. Number one, do everything you can. Start praying, God, help me get out of debt, especially that credit card debt that's 15% or even 18%. Dear Lord, folks, that is a horrible, horrible interest rate to be praying. So use credit cards sparingly. Pay them off if at all possible. Cut back, all right, until you get a hold of your finances. Evaluate your expenditures. If you don't need it, then wait on God to provide it. Someone just today, they had a car that was in bad shape, uh, didn't have the money to fix it, and uh, didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere for them, they were provided a vehicle that they are absolutely thrilled out of their mind with. God provided it. So how many of you believe God is no respecter of persons? He loves you, and God will provide for you. Say amen. All right, so you've got to learn. Uh, let me give you some practicality here. If you're, uh, if you're needing something done, how many of you feel comfortable asking for a better deal? Anybody in here? You ask for a better deal. Uh, I don't think we should try to take somebody, but I have no problem asking for a better deal. Um, and uh, I've embarrassed some people along the way. I'm maybe even a few pastors, but 
years ago, one pastor, we needed a phone system. He came back to me. He had explored it, uh, investigated it, and he came back and says, it's $22,000. And I said, I offer him, I think it was seventeen. And he's like, they're not going to take that. And I said, well, if they don't take it, we'll maybe buy it somewhere else. Go, go offer it to them. And uh, he went. He offered them 17 He said, this is what we can pay. And he comes back with this look on his face. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. Uh, they took the price that you offered. Uh, folks, how did I learn that? Now, listen to this. How did I learn that? By going to try to buy a church van and thinking I had gotten the best deal, and then someone in our church who was a dealer went there and got a better deal, and it made me mad, all right? It made me mad that he got a better deal when I thought I had gotten him down as much as I could. So ask for a better deal. Uh, if, you want to, uh, if you want to really build some financial character in your life, uh, those of you that go to an oil change place, uh, the next time you go, go in there and you just say to yourself, doesn't matter what they say, I am going to get oil and a filter. That's what I'm getting, and, and that's all I'm going to get. They're not going to talk me into a new engine. They're not going to talk me into uh, a, a new four new tires or whatever else. No, they're just going to give me what I'm asking for. I can't blame them. I know they're trying to make more money, but they're not going to make it off of me. They may make it off of you, but they're not making it off of me, all right? So anyway, the last time I went, I'll tell you this. Last time I went, walked in there, and I got a better brand of oil that was supposed to be like 8,000 or 10,000 miles before it needed more oil. And so he comes over and he starts putting the sticker on my windshield. And I looked at it and it was set for 3,000 miles. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. The oil I just bought is supposed to get me this many more miles. Why are you putting a ticker, sticker for 3,000? He said, well, that's all we got. And I'm like, Oh, I say, I, this is the way this works, I see. Um, you're thinking I'm going to forget that uh, I got more mileage and it should have been eight or ten, whatever. You think I'm coming back at three. Well, guess what? I won't be back, all right? So anyway, um, recently in California, the governor said, turn the thermostats up to 78. You know why? because they were having uh, outages out there. And I just thought to myself, where are they going to save money <laughs> raising it to, to 78? All right. Um, I think I'm going to have Pastor Ben come up, and um, he's going to join me up here. And um, then um, I'm going to have a young lady. It's going to be uh, she's working or going to be working with you as far as setting up some financial classes. And uh, Soraya Close is going to come. Uh, Alice and I met with her yesterday. and She shared with us a couple of things that I thought was uh, extremely interesting. And so she's been dealing and teaching finances. And, uh, and when you start teaching, is uh, Kenny going to join you in that class? Oh, you don't, we don't want him to join us now. But anyway, uh, yeah. 
in the class. He's going to be there. All right. Making sure you get everything right, I'm sure. All right. So anyway, uh, Sarai, tell us what you shared with us yesterday. Why don't we start out talking about wills because everybody should have a will. You shared someone came to live with you, a relative, and uh, tell us what she had put in place for you, you guys. Well, that was, um, is this on? On, right? Yeah. Uh, that was our mother, my mother-in-law, my husband's uh, mom. She was a person that always thought about things before they happened. Uh, so she ended up having Alzheimer's and aphasia, so she couldn't speak very well. But at this point, you know, way before she was able to set up all the finances. Uh, she had a few accounts that was supposed to come to us after she passes. And then she, she set up everything with custodial accounts. Uh, she had her will done and she had her uh, living will done. That when she came you know, to live with us, uh, it was just like very easy to navigate through the difficult situations that we've had with her with the, the Alzheimer's. And also when she passed away, uh, she was kind and you know wonderful enough to have everything written down in a little notepad where she had all her accounts set up there, phone numbers for her uh, um, uh, lawyers, for her accountants. That we all we had to do is to open and you know be able to to just to follow everything that she wanted us to do for her. Now that that is absolutely incredible because. Uh, I've heard of people that have passed away prematurely, unexpectedly, and then the spouse that was left had that no clue yep. what was going on. Have you run across that? Yeah, we had, a, you know, the, the, the great thing about uh, my mother-in-law that just left everything greatly done and set up for us, but I also have a good friend of mine, almost like my best friend, where their husband died. And they thought about the will, it wasn't an expected thing, but he didn't notarize. He started doing it and then he didn't move forward. So she had to go through the, the whole process of hiring a lawyer and go to probate and pay a lot of money that was supposed to be for her, giving you know, into taxes and lawyers just to be able to get the things in her name. Which, Not to having Which is um, set up losing properly. a loved one is, is terrible in itself, but then having no idea. Um, I've, I've heard of people looking for insurance. I, I think he, they have insurance they and they have, can't yeah. find it. Um, yeah, they, she did not know anything about the finances. So, you know, as a couple, it's something that's extremely important that you guys are always on the same page. Uh, in his case, in their case, he was the one that knew everything, that knew where everything was, that, you know, it was just convenient for her not to be involved with how to pay the bills. And she did not know even how to pay a mortgage, what they had, you know, that needed to be paid after he passed away. Uh, she did not know any passwords for the, the banking accounts. So it was a, a difficult process for her to go through that just because they didn't think about it while they, was, they were still together. When you told us that yesterday, uh, I, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, um, I'm not sure I have everything to where Alice can just walk over there and pick it up and say, oh, here it is, and here it is, and here it is. So uh, maybe a lot of us in this building tonight really need to, I'm sure, Pastor Ben, you got it all 
lined up. But uh, your wife, your wife knows where everything is. I mean, she's she's uh, she's into finances. Let me ask you a question, Soraya. Mm -hmm. Twenty-three-year-old um, young lady asked this question. She said, "I'm trying to budget with all that's going on." Of course, I'm assuming the COVID she's talking about. How can I budget appropriately? Trying to get a car and an apartment. Got any advice for First it? First of all, I'm gonna say a 23-year-old already worried about that. I just <laughs> say, you know, congratulations, because we don't get many young people trying to do those things. So first of all, I'm like very proud of you. But, you know, you've got to start with a budget. I don't know exactly her situation, but uh, I would say just put everything on a paper to start with. You know, you've got to know where your money's coming from and how much are your expenses. Uh, when it's a case like hers that she's probably trying to uh, start something, it's very important, you know, say what Pastor said about being a little frugal with things. And you just got to ask, you got to, Put everything on a paper first and then look into what you're spending and ask the first question, is it essential? Do I really need that? And if you don't need, you just cut out of your budget. Uh, you can ask, is it, can I exchange? Sometimes you can, for example, get your phone, um, your car insurance and you can make some quotes and get a better price for that. Save money right there. Uh, then you ask if you can maybe reduce you, you know, we can maybe get your cable bill and you can cut the channels that most of us ended up not watching. <laughs> Some people pay for cable and have like, you know, 150 uh, channels that you're never going to watch. So just cut that or exchange. And maybe just nowadays you can watch the TV through YouTube. You can get everything through Netflix. And when you're trying to live in a budget for some reason, you got to make some sacrifices. And I would even would say, if you think of maybe groceries, this is something that, can you control it? Uh, it's the hardest thing when you go to grocery shopping. You know, let's say if your budget is 150 that you can spend a month. Um, if you go there, you gotta take a list. For example, there are several things that we can do, but mainly make a list, go to grocery shopping with the list. Uh, don't go hungry. Don't take your kids hungry. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. <laughs> right. There's a few things that you can do that and maybe just use cash for some of the things because that will keep you in our budget. One more question. Um, what's the best way, if you have this info, mm -hmm. to increase your credit score? This is a very tricky question because it depends on your situation. Uh, this question is a kind of a hard because we don't know if they're starting to build the credit or if they're already on, on a situation where their credit is low just because they owe a lot of money. But, you know, uh, it, it, there are some little things. If you're starting, you gotta maybe uh, do like a, a, a secure credit that you can go to your bank and you can make a deposit. Let's say $1,000 and you, they will give you a credit card with a $1,000 limit and you can start your credit, you know, building through that. Also, you can, uh, uh, let's say you're gonna buy a car and you have $3,000, you pay $2,000 down and you make a little payments on the $1,000 that's left and that's how you start building a credit. All right, great. You heard what price car she just said for that 24-year-old, $3,000 car. Thank you, Soraya. She's gonna be teaching a class and uh, 
Here's what we want you to do. If you don't have a will, my goodness, especially if you have children, small children, you don't want a judge or the state dictating who gets your kids. So stop out at each of the event booths or tables there at desk, and they have a will. You can get it done free. You uh, Technically, they want you to give 10% of the tithe um, to the church, but you won't care because you'll be dead anyway. All right, so anyway, all right, Pastor Ben, going to ask you a question. Um, someone is asking about stocks. Do I, um, they've got a stash app. They bought some stock. Um, so do I have to claim it on my taxes? <laughs> that's that's uh, Well, the purchase of the stock, you don't need to, but when you sell the stock, when you have stock and you sell it, that's what triggers a tax event. But you don't have to worry because ever who sold the stock for you will send you a piece of paper at the end of the year and you give that to ever who's preparing your taxes. So, however, you may buy a stock and not sell it for five years, you see. So what triggers the tax effect or the, is when you sell the stock. That's what triggers it. And then that stock, depending on the situation and the time that you have it, would trigger a capital gains tax. It would not be ordinary income, but it would be a capital gains. Usually, the longer you hold it, if you hold a stock over two years, normally uh, the capital gains tax is lower. So the longer that you hold it, uh, the better. But what triggers that is when you sell it, not necessarily when you buy it. Capital gains is what, around 15%, somewhere around there? Uh, it can Much. range from 15 up to 20%. Okay, well, um, let's see, Pastor Ben. Um, they want to know when we're going to have a class on financing or budgeting. <laughs> we might as well answer that one too. Well, we are planning on having a uh, significant church-wide uh, class uh, next spring. We are in the process of uh, training some teachers uh, this fall. Uh, and Soraya, of course, and her husband will be one of those couples that are doing that. We'll be able to sit and actually go through the practical steps with people. So that's coming. But don't wait on that. Go ahead and uh, start addressing your finances, thinking about your finances now. All right. Um, excuse me. Um, I know tonight we're just going to give you information. Some of this, I, I really want to encourage you, even if you've got questions that come to your mind while we're answering some of these, uh, you can text the church number, and hopefully the guys, there we go. You can text the church number, or you can email info at faithassembly.org and ask questions or ask Pastor Ben about the capital gains, the sale of stock, uh, when it's due, and any questions that you may not know already. But I'll tell you one thing. Google is an incredible <laughs> miracle from, uh, I'm not sure they're of God, but uh, Google <laughs> itself is of God, all right? Uh, you can find just about anything on there and uh, do a lot of research, and which will help you. But we want to be able to do anything we can to help you in regard to your finances. That's why we have these wheels available because we know so many people don't get a wheel done. All right, my wife uh, grabbed several wheels, sent it to our children about a year and two years ago. I'm not sure they've done it, but um, anyway, um, so 
please do that, all right? Please, please, please. Okay. Um, oh, I'll let you answer this. I'm tempted, but I just took money out of my 401k to invest in a property. You see his face? Okay. Was this a smart move? <laughs> uh, no, that's a bad move. Um, when you have uh, funds in a uh, 401k, 403b, a, a retirement fund, especially though, because those funds are designed to be pre-tax, so you haven't been taxed on uh, that, those funds yet. When you go into that account, if you're younger than 59 and a half, if you go into that account and you pull that money out, one, you're going to be taxed on it. So it will be added to your uh, income tax return. And two, you will have a 10% penalty on top of that. So I, n I always recommend never touch that. You need to find another way to buy that property. Don't take your retirement funds out. Uh, and will they withhold like 20%? Well, many places will withhold it, and then it's calculated at the end of the year when you do your tax return. So if, you've, if the 20% covered the tax liability, however, you will, they normally don't take enough to cover the 10% penalty, and that really stings at the end of the year. Don't take it out. All right, so, and uh, we were just talking about this. If you work for an organization that has a match, dear Lord have mercy, they... they Yes, many, many companies, and, and you, your company may do it, and they may not have even told you, but um, uh, many companies will have a, a retirement plan. Uh, For-profits call it uh, Section 401K. That's actually Section 401K of the Internal Revenue uh, Code. Or if you work for a nonprofit, that's a 403B. Um, many employers will match a certain percentage. For example, if you withhold and contribute 3%, your company may match that 3%. If that is the case, you need to do what, whatever they match, you should do that uh, completely up to the maximum amount that they will match. Because immediately you make 100% on that money. And then that money continues, continues to make money until your retirement. So that's absolutely do that. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and so um, in regard to that, um, there are some companies here in the city that were doing this. If you contributed like to a nonprofit at, um, at their company, then the company would match up to a certain amount of your nonprofit gift. And I think this was started because there were a lot of uh, organizations raising money and they wanted to promote them, but then they couldn't be discriminatory. And so uh, people and this church have given and had it matched through their business. So anyway, um, that's another good way. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Ask a lot of questions. Okay, um, also, maybe now's a good time to say this, and I'm sure maybe most of you know it. How many of you own a home? Let me see your hand, okay. Anybody buy one in the, uh, buy one this year? Okay, you already got your homestead exemption filed? Okay, all right, make sure you get your homestead exemption filed. And did you know that all the money, if you live in a house three of the last five years, isn't it? Make sure I'm telling this right. Three of the last five years, you sell your house, all the profit off that house is tax-free. You knew that, right? Okay. If you have a capital gains of $500,000 and less, 
if you have a capital gain on your house, you gain that much on it, $500,000 or less, or if you live in the house two of the last five years. Two, okay. Yes. Two of the last five, okay. I didn't have to worry about the 500000 All right, so anyway, <laughs> we sold a house. Um, we've sold two houses over the last many years, and, and, um, and all the money was tax-free. That happened as a result of a change in the House of Representatives about 1992. All right, okay, uh, here's the question. What percentage of income should be put in savings a month? Just a percentage. Well, any of you that have taken Dave Ramsey's course, is, um, it's 15%. Uh, but many of you may have to build into that. One of the things that I, uh, I counsel our employees is, for example, if you, uh, your company matches 3% and you start in 3% and you're giving 3% out of your pay, so three, theoretically every month you're giving 3% and your company's matching 3%, but it's your 3%. Next year, you're, if you get a cost of living increase of, say, 2% or 3%, that's not going to change your lifestyle. You're not going to go out and buy a car with it. It's not going to be enough. So you add that 3% to the 3% that you already have, and now you're at 6%, you see? And so if you do that for a few years, it won't be very long that it, you haven't even felt the effects of it. You're still living off the amount, and you get up to 15% is a recommended amount of your own money. Not the company's match, but your own money you need to build up to that as soon as you can. That's what's all, recommended. Also, in our 403B, we now have the Roth component. Yes. Uh, one strategy that many people do is they will, uh, they will maximize their employer's uh, contribution to the 401K, and, and that is pre-tax. So it lowers your tax liability, uh, and your company then matches that. You'd want 100% of that. So if, if the company will match 3%, you want to do 3%. After, and, and that's pre-tax. There's another um, option that you have after that that you could decide to do what's referred to as a Roth. Many of you have heard of a Roth IRA, and that's what it's modeled after. But that's, after, that's an after-tax thing. So from your net income, you could decide to... Um, to make contributions into a Roth IRA. The, the great thing about the Roth is that when you later on go to take it, it's tax-free. So that's a big advantage when you're retired because the, the theory is that you'll be in a much less, uh, a, a lower tax bracket at that time when you retire. So when you take those funds, they'll be tax-free. Okay, how many of you, some of this stuff is Greek, all right? Anybody here? <laughs> Uh, Roth and uh, all this 403B, 401K. Feel free to send us an email and we can get you the uh, information. All right. He, he'll break it down for you. All right. Uh, I'm going to answer this one. Um, for business owners, how do you uh, or do you recommend tithing? How do you recommend tithing? Okay. Um, and I do encourage business owners to tithe off their business. All right. And I tell people, if it's, whose business is it? It's either ours or we make God a partner, really declare, God, this is your business. So if you have a business, first of all, give it to God, all right? Uh, you want to just, in your heart, in your spirit, say, Lord, this is yours. I'm going to manage it for you and do the best job I can. And that means that all your expenditures, okay, 
all your expenditures, your buying uh, product and whatever else, uh, the electricity of the building you're functioning out of and all of those office costs would come out. Even your own salary, if you're paying you, would come out and go to you. So all those things, uh, whatever is left, uh, would be the profit. You make sure I say this correct. It would be the profit, so you would, or the net, or so you would pay tithe off the net after all those expenses are paid out. Now, when you pay yourself, of course, that's increased to you personally, so you owe tithe. To, it's God's tithe. You give that to the Lord, and then you give the net of the tithe of the business. And uh, watch, watch what God will do. If you honor him, you'll be a giver, and uh, you'll experience the favor of God. And that's what we want to happen. Is that good enough? All right. It wasn't. Get in touch with him. All right, he'll straighten it up. Okay. Um, what to do when the tithing causes an argument with your spouse. Um, so, the implication here is I think that one of them, maybe probably the woman, <laughs> usually the woman, yeah. she wants to tithe. The man's like, no, we can't afford it. Um, well, you, you only have control over what comes through your hands. So, if, if one spouse does not want to tithe, but you are handling a certain amount, and that amount is entrusted to you, um, even if it's not 100%, you don't think that it's fair and it's not 100%, but it's the amount that you have control over. The amount that you have responsibility, I don't want to say control, but the, the amount that you have responsibility over with, then uh, it, it would be, um, I think, to your advantage to honor God in tithing off of that amount. You can't control what your, uh, an unbelieving spouse uh, does, but hopefully the Scripture teaches us that they will be sanctified by your actions, and they'll learn from what you do, and they'll see how God blesses you. All right, Dr. Cora Green is going to join us up here, and while she's coming up, um, let me touch on this because we're running out of time, all right? But uh, I've really been encouraging people here lately to refinance um, got a question here. Someone said, I'd like to refinance. My current rate is 4.1, which is really good, um, but would like to lower the payment, put the savings into renovating the house, need a new roof, new AC, this kind of thing. Um, and uh, Jay uh, Sibley, who's been in our church forever and has uh, uh, been doing, uh, he's been a broker for a long, long time. He says, um, this, anyone over 4% should uh, refinance as soon as possible. If they want to pull cash out for renovations, it's fine as long as they have sufficient equity built up in the home and meet normal qualification standards. Now, I did ask him, I said, Jay, um, what about people that don't have the cash up front? And he said, well, they can bring the interest rate down, but not all the way to the bottom. It will pay the closing, but not the prepaid. So there would still be some out. But he is, uh, when I questioned him on it, he said he recommend rolling those expenses back into the loan um, and uh, rolling it in there to pull any cash out if you have the proper equity. So anyway, um, here's what you need to do. That phone number we gave you earlier, 
um, or the info at faithassembly.org. You can get in touch with us. We have some people that belong to this church. They love God. They're tithing and, uh, and, or they're giving. And so anyway, Cora Green, Dr. Cora Green, God bless you. So good to see you. You're, you're still teaching a class, right? Yes, yes Pastor. Yes, I am. You've been teaching a finance class. We'll be co we're coming back on October 4th for the last session. Okay. Um, here's a question. A couple, they are retirement age. They just got married. They both collect Social Security. Is anything going to change? I, I assume they're talking about Social Security. That's a difficult question, impossible to answer. When Social Security changes, we know we get that just a couple of dollars each year as an increase. What the government does, they look at the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, in the third quarter of the year. This is the third quarter. And sure enough, we know things don't look too bright with COVID. So therefore, we, no one knows if we will get an increase in Social Security for 2021. That will be announced in October of this year after they look at the numbers in the last of this quarter, of the third quarter. So we don't know if it's going to change. I want to take the liberty right now to say God is on our side. And we need to get out of the world's economy and into God's economy. The world's economy is built on dollars and cents, and God's economy is built on grace and mercy. And he's never failed us yet. So whether anything changes or not, he will see us through. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he will. Amen. Okay. Uh, why do we have to file together for taxes? The Bible says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And Caesar says, if we're married, we need to file jointly. That's what Caesar says. And Caesar doesn't like us filing married, filing <laughs> separate. So when we file jointly, everything is better. The returns are better. The deductions are better. Everything is better when we file jointly. When we file separately, the government frowns on that. For example, we know right now a lot of people depend on the marketplace insurance for coverage. Well, specifically speaking with that insurance, if you're married, you've got to file married filing jointly or you can file single. But if you're going to file married filing separately, the government won't even give you a credit. So we got to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. One more question, Dr. Green. Um, this couple is in their 60s. They just got married. Um, they chose to keep their income separate. Um, is this advisable? If not, why? You Ouch. like that one, don't you? Ouch. <laughs> when two people get married, <laughs> the Bible says, I always base everything, every word out of my mouth with what the Bible says. When two people get married, the Bible says two becomes one. And the Bible further says, when there's two people together, if one falls, the other person can pick them up. And so therefore, we need to combine incomes. We need to, com we need to have one pot, and everything goes into that pot once we're married. That's what the Word of God wants. Now, there are cases where before we got married, the wife 
had her account and the husband had his account and one person might now feel that they're losing power, if you will, over their account. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. When you get married, it's not just two people coming together, it's two minds coming together. It's two finances coming together. And this is the reason why we need to know the baggage that's coming to us. If you're coming with a lot of baggage, we need to put it on the table and look at it. You have a lot of debt, I don't. We put our finances together, and before you know it, I have to pay all of the debt you brought into this marriage. So we need to put it together. There are extenuating cases. Probably one person, one spouse, has to pay alimony, Maybe they have some type of liens on some property or something. So we have to be careful of what we're doing. Right at this point, I would say, I would recommend speak to your financial advisor or your tax preparer. Just as our faces differ, each and every person's financial situation differs. But God will always, always see us through it. Amen. All we have to do is be obedient. Amen. All right. So that means get a credit check on that one you're planning to marry. Okay. All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, kind of. Okay. I mean, if you do anything you want to, but uh, one lady years ago had no debt. She married a guy, found out after they were married, I think he had 50000 in debt. They came back to me. She was ready to say goodbye. I'm like, look, you... You said I do, you should have, uh, anyway, uh, he shouldn't have done that, he shouldn't have deceived you, but you guys can pull out of this. And uh, anyway, okay, one last question, Pastor Ben, should I buy or lease a car? <laughs> Thank you, uh, Pastor, for asking that question, because next to your home, a car is probably the largest purchase that you will, uh, larger, largest expenditure that you'll get into. And the whole system is designed to keep you in debt. You know that because that's why they change the body style on cars constantly mm -hmm. so that you will want to buy a new car. Mm -hmm. But um, I would tell you, buy, do not lease. The lease is, is a trap. Most people who lease have this concept in their mind that, oh, well, I'm always going to have a car payment. No, you're not going to have to always have a car payment. Would you put up that slide, uh, Isaiah? You see this slide? You see the 295,228 miles? You see the other one that says 237,701 miles? That's the miles that are on both of my vehicles. I took it today. The point is, um, I couldn't go out and I can buy a big expensive car and have a car payment, but I haven't had a car payment in years. So if you have a car payment, pay the car off and don't go buy another one. Keep that car. Don't buy another car. One, the great strategy or the recommendation is if you're making a car payment now and your car, once it's paid off, then you make that car payment to yourself until you have enough to trade that car in and the cash that you have to buy a car cash and you get out of that trap. Leasing will keep you in that trap even worse than constantly trading a car in. So I strongly recommend that you purchase a, a, a car. If you can't pay cash for it and you have to finance your first one, once you pay it off, you can drive it for many, many years after it's paid off. Some people are car poor, aren't they? Some uh, people are driving their tithe. <laughs>
<laughs> and their retirement. <laughs> and their retirement. <laughs> don't drive your tithe or your retirement, okay? And um, don't live in your tithe or your retirement. Don't overbuy a house. Don't uh, overbuy a car, all right? Um, I have no problem if somebody wants to go out and buy a car that's uh, Tesla, um, that's eighty, ninety thousand dollars if they want to. Uh, I, I don't see myself ever doing that. Um, I should have bought stock when somebody recommended it at thirty dollars a share. That's another story. But anyway, I don't care what anybody wants to live in or buy. It doesn't bother me. But I'm not going to live under that pressure. We're not. We're not going to live under that pressure. So anyway, I don't want you to live in, under it either, all right? I want you to have peace. I don't want you to like, my God, what are we going to do? And many people, because they had a car payment they could not afford hardly to start with, COVID hit, their hours were reduced or maybe lost their job altogether. And as a result of that, they are, they are just up the creek feeling like they don't have a paddle. So anyway, and that's the time you looked upward and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. All right, so anyway, I'm kidding. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, your intent is to bless your people. Your intent is to have their needs met. God, give us the wisdom to know the difference between our needs and our wants. God, Help us, Lord, to honor you and don't live in such a lifestyle that we can't honor you with our finances. I pray, God, you would forgive us all. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things financially that proved somewhat adverse in our lives or took away instead of added to our lives. I ask you, Father, bless these, your people. They're such incredible people. Lord, they love you, and this world provides so many, uh, so many things that, God, we may have to learn and spend time investing our time to, to figure out. But, God, you give us wisdom if we ask it. Give us your wisdom, I pray, in Jesus' name. Praise God. For those online and those here in the building, um, Yes, we really, 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 really want you to be blessed. Um, you know, when it, even it comes to tithe, and people say, all that church wants is your money. <laughs> That's, look, this church is going to be fine whether you ever tithe or not. Okay, it's just going to be fine. Why? Because God's always going to have people that honor him in the area of finance. It's always been fine. It always is going to be. But... Why do you think over the years I've stepped out, or we have stepped out into saying, hey, we're going to teach on this. We're going to talk about this. Why? Because I know it works, and I know it brings blessing. And when I see someone blessed of God, it makes God happy. And I'm telling you, it makes me happy and, um, and uh, certainly going to make you happy. So let's, let's honor him. With our giving, we're not about we're not about to take another offering, okay? Um, but uh, stand with us, please, everyone. Going a little over. Um, seriously, maybe we need to, um, Pastor Ben. Maybe we need to. We got more questions here we didn't get to, um, and some of you have thought about things that you may want to ask, and 
Um, but hopefully your wheels are spinning and hopefully um, you are thinking, okay, I, I'm going to look that up. Um, the portability, the homestead exemption, the portability, um, the, what is it, the property portability. Pastor Ben mentioned it in a staff meeting some time ago, and I'd heard about it. Um, but when I got my homestead, I, I failed to see it on the form because they had it disguised with just letters instead of written out, property tax portability amendment. And he said something about it, and I'm like, oh, my Lord. I dashed down there as quickly as I could and walked in, and I was already late filling it out, but I still had a little more time. And I walked in, and one of the ladies said, Pastor Carl. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I think it's going to be all right. And she took me back there and helped me and saved Alice and I probably 1000 to 1500 a year. So anyway, um, look to God, pray for wisdom, research, ask questions, and uh, trust the Lord. These altars, we're going to open them as always. Listen, maybe there are physical needs in your life or maybe you're in a financial pinch so bad that you just need to come to one of these altars and kneel. Say, God, help me. God, help me. I got to get out of this, Lord. This is this weight, God. I have got to get out from under this. So maybe you just come or maybe you need somebody to pray with you. Come across this front and there'll be somebody here to pray with you. Lead us, Pastor John, right now, if you will, please. And you need prayer? Slip out and come. In the name. Jesus, Jesus. Healing in the name. There is power in the name. Salvation in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus. Jesus. There is freedom in the name. Healing in the name. There is power in the name. You need prayer. Slip out and come. Salvation you need to slip out, pick up a wheel on the way out at the event center. If you haven't done so, got one already, please. Pastor Wayne is going to be here to serve communion. If you'd like to come and partake of communion, why don't you do it right now? Pastor John, lead us in prayer, please. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for speaking into our hearts tonight. Thank you for so much wisdom and for information, Lord God, that's going to help us in our lives, Lord God, because we know that you're the God of both the spiritual and the practical. I thank you, Lord God, that we're going to leave this place with things, Lord, that are going to help us along our way. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that just as uh, we've heard things, Lord, that will help us financially, Lord God, I pray that you'll continue to speak to each and every one of these, your people, in the spirit realm, Lord God. I pray that you'll continue to bring hope, Lord God, and peace in the midst of situations and that as we leave this place, God, will continue to hear you leading and guiding us as we face the rest of this week. Lord God, we commit the rest of this week and our lives even to you, Lord God, and we thank you for being with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Pastor Wayne is here to serve communion to anybody that would like to take it tonight. Our altars are open. There are people here ready to pray with you. If you're watching online and you want somebody to pray with you as well, feel free to call in. We've got some people here uh, that are willing to speak with you on the phone and pray for you and your family. God bless you. We'll see you again soon.